WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. Always live on the free Odyssey app. From the Sherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Live and local from Philadelphia. Free speech lives here. Here. It's Kale and Company on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Live on this Monday, December 11th, it is indeed Kale and Company right here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We are always live on the free Odyssey app and of course streaming live for your video viewing pleasure on YouTube. As we head until 10 o'clock this morning, 855-839-1210, the phone number, Twitter and Instagram, the radio station at 1210 WPHT. I am at Nick Kale, K-A-Y-A-L. Don Stenzlin with the news. Greg Stocker, the chairman of the board. Phil Omquist, Anthony Dorenzo, our associate producers. As we begin another week, the countdown to Christmas is on just two weeks from today. I think the Cowboys kicked another field goal from 70 <laughs> yards last night. What a, what a disaster. That show that was. But you know what? I thank the Philadelphia Eagles. As a man who has to wake up at 4.15 a.m., if you're going to play at 8.25 on a Sunday night, just bow out early. If yeah. you ain't got nothing, just stay home, and I'll go to bed early. That game was over by uh, 9 p.m. Who knew that the highlight of the night was Bryce Harper doing the introduction yeah, for the can, broadcast? Can we talk about that for one second? You're not feeling it. I mean... A lot of people said that. I thought it was I thought it was solid. I liked it. A cowboy... I mean, he, he flipped he, for us. He's been, he, yeah, he flipped for us. He flipped for a paycheck. <laughs> All of a sudden, he's a he's a he's an Eagles fan because of the city that pays him, the organization that pays him. That's fair point. Yeah, fair point. He grew the beard out really nice. Dawn, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Doing great. All right, we've got all sorts of good stuff to get to today. Another loaded show. By my uh, track, by my count, seven more shows until the holiday break, but not that I'm tracking the countdown. We've got POTUS Privilege and the Victim Card. McGill, she's gone. The RNC says, debates? (laughs) You can keep doing them. We just won't acknowledge them, CNN and ABC. Also, some interesting polling data. A historic first for Trump in the Wall Street Journal poll. And Nikki Haley is basically treating Joe Biden in the polls like the Cowboys treated the Eagles last night. We will get to that as we continue this morning. Kevin McCarthy endorsing Donald Trump. Tucker says you're going to have to pay if you want my stuff. We've got the cut sheet. Harry Mays this morning at 9.30. So we have a lot of good stuff to get into this morning. A lot of very good topical points of conversation. And also... You know, the left loves to say there's just phobias running amok everywhere. we got to get to the latest in Skinnyville when it comes to fat phobia. That's coming up right before we get to the cut sheet around 7.35 this morning. But before we get to all of that, and let's get to some news because we've got traffic, we've got weather. I don't know if it's like raining, snowing. There's, the Skookle looked like a bomb went off this morning, by the way, as I was coming in. Yeah, all of the above, I think. Oh, my goodness gracious. So let's get down to the news for that round number one at 604, The Great Dawn Stensland. And good morning. We are sponsored this Monday morning, December 11th, sponsored by Piazza Auto Group. And, yes, we'll talk about the forecast, this powerful storm system 
and a major cold front Flooding rain, gusty, damaging winds, coastal concerns, by the way, from the Jersey Shore to Delaware, full forecast. And right now, many spin-outs, road closures. So we'll talk about all of it moving forward this morning. Let's get into the news before we do our uh, Eagles lowlights. We have two Philadelphia police officers recovering this morning after being shot and wounded early yesterday morning in the Holmesburg section of the city. For one of the officers, by the way, this is just the second time being shot. The second time being shot in the line of duty. He's in his early 30s at this point in his life. By the way, the suspect in the shooting also shot is now hospitalized in critical condition this morning. So this thing started with a district sergeant who was on duty in full uniform, gets a radio call reporting these gunshots in the area in total, this there there were involved in this many sites as they were trying to pull over this suspect. Four officers attempted to stop a suspect, and that individual rammed one of the highway patrol vehicles. One patrol car with two officers in it was in front of a ram pickup that was rammed by the suspect's vehicle, which caused major damage as those two officers get out of the damaged car. The uh, 40-year-old suspect in this gray Dodge Ram fires at those uniformed officers, striking them in the face. One, uh, one officer was struck in the leg or ankle and his face. So one of the officers we know has already been released from the hospital, still suffering from injuries. And the other officer shot in the face is still in the hospital this morning. And you said one of the two has been already shot twice in his young career? Yeah. In his career. Man, I would be pivoting out of that that profession quick, fast, and in a hurry if that was me. <laughs> God bless that hero. Yeah, so ultimately, um, these four officers, and this is standard procedure. They're all on administrative duty pending the outcome of the officer-involved shooting investigation, you know, and that's per internal affairs. But this is something that that's standard operating procedure. But I will tell you that during uh, the news conferences over the weekend, one of the comments was, that in fact the suspect name, although not being released yet, we know has multiple priors, including several firearms offenses. All right, so he's got a rap sheet and he's probably a career criminal. And my guess is, and I'm just speculating here, you can maybe make the argument that he shouldn't have been on the street to begin with. Just a, just an assumption on my part, though. Yeah, and to, to your point, I mean, thank God, and that was some of the comments we got over the weekend, thank God these officers did not suffer life-threatening injuries but serious injuries. We still have one officer in the hospital. I'll also mention to you that it was two months ago tomorrow, October 12th, Sergeant Richard Mendez and Raul Ortiz were, Raul Ortiz were shot in that parking garage at Philadelphia International Airport when they tried to stop a late night car break in, killing Sergeant Mendez and injuring Officer Ortiz. So this is this kind of situation where you have two officers together fired upon in a single incident very rare but it just happened i mean very rare over the perspective of a decade but it just happened two months ago Mm -hmm. and so that's something heavy on the minds of law enforcement philadelphia police also over the weekend investigating after a teen boy was killed another injured when shots were fired into a venue where a teen party was being held this happened saturday Around dinner time, and police were called, 911 calls to the 5300 block of North 5th Street. This is Saturday night. They found a 17-year-old boy laying on the ground inside, 
and police say they rushed him to the hospital. He was pronounced dead. The doctors tried to save him, but he was pronounced at 7.40 p.m. Saturday night. So another boy was taken to a nearby hospital, and he's listed in stable condition. We don't have all the information on this one, but as with all homicides in the city of Philadelphia, there is a $20,000 reward for any information that leads to an arrest and conviction in this incident. So police still investigating this one. Yes, we will, of course, talk a lot today about the former university, former University of Pennsylvania President Liz McGill's resignation, met with celebration, calls for the heads of Harvard and MIT to also step down over their failures to condemn anti-Semitism on campus. So many saw McGill's resignation. That was on Saturdays, the beginning of university presidents facing the consequences for failing to condemn student calls for the genocide of Jews, though others believed it was a win for the censorship of pro-Palestinian voices. So we'll have much more on this, the replacement, who's the interim, that sort of thing. We should also mention to you that President Joe Biden will be here in Philadelphia to dole out some grant money to some closed fire stations that have been closed down since uh, about 15, 16 years ago. Well, as Joe once famously said, my wife's a Philly girl. And he always comes to (laughs) Philly. I think this is now, I think, the 15th time since his uh, election. (laughs) So, I mean, this is a guy. We talk about it. Republicans should be coming to Pennsylvania more, coming to Philadelphia more. I mean, Joe's here every three months, it seems like. Well, one person who won't be coming to New York City, Donald Trump, in an about-face yesterday announcing he will not testify in his own defense at his New York civil fraud trial that is threatening his real estate empire. So I know we'll talk about that moving forward, but he had said he would. Now his lawyers have advised him that uh, they're good to go and they don't need him to testify today. So he will not be there today. Let's get to our Eagles lowlights, 33-13 in Dallas. And uh, Merrill on the calls, the Eagles fall for the second straight week. Playoff chances in question, cut A. Once again, the final score, Dallas 33, the Eagles 13. You know, I said two weeks ago on this show the 49ers were going to win. I said on Friday that the Cowboys were going to win. I don't seem to get any guff on Twitter when I'm right. I only get guff on Twitter when I'm wrong. And I I also have said this. They will win out. So they have four games left. They play Seattle and then three terrible teams. I think the Giants, the Cardinals, and somebody else. They're going to be 14-3. and three. But this this was this was expected, at least on my part. I didn't expect the, the results. That's the scary thing. They have been destroyed two straight weeks. Not that they just lost. They have been this, blown out two straight weeks. This, worse was, this loss was worse than the 49ers. Oh, yeah. Loss. Division loss. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this was, this was just... This was ugly. I know. I I turned in at like nine fit nine seventeen. I was like, all right, it's bedtime. Yeah, that game was over at nine o'clock. Yeah, you're one hundred percent right. I don't yeah. know though because they had they did that trick, they did that funny that trick, and I thought, okay, they're going to do something, and then we scored late, and there were some some great incredible moments. Well, I guess they had a defensive touchdown, which I was not privy to see because I was already catching the, some Z's. It was Cox to Kalen? Yeah, up uh, uh, to. I should say Jalen Carter. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. I mean, no offensive touchdowns, though, from a, a highly powered offense. That's that's kind of cause for concern if you're Nick Sirianni this morning. I'm not sure that Nick got much sleep. This Nick got a lot of sleep last night. The other <laughs> Nick, not so much, probably. 
Well, we are sponsored this morning by Piazza Auto Group, the Acura season of performance going on right now at Piazza Acura and Reading and Westchester. Get special financing as low as 3.9% for 36 months. You can shop online, online, piazzaacura.com. Thank you, Piazza Auto Group, for sponsoring Kale & Company News Live. All right, Dawn, thank you very much. 613 Monday morning as we kick off another week with another Big Take. The Big Take on Kale & Company. Okay, the big take this morning, POTUS privilege and the victim card. I don't give the notion of white privilege much credence in 2023. But after the latest revelations came down Friday about Hunter Biden, we can say without question that there is such a thing as POTUS privilege. Following the news on Thursday that Hunter Biden is now facing a second indictment in California for not paying taxes, we got more details on the lavish life that President Joe Biden's son has been living, and it's enough to make any Hollywood A-lister incredibly jealous. Hunter Biden blew $5 million, that's right, $5 million on crack, prostitutes, cigars, and some new teeth, which reportedly enraged his ex-wife. Per the New York Post, quote, your spending is documented and irresponsible, wrote his ex-wife Kathleen in an email from February of 2017. His ex-wife further documenting how much of a low-life scumbag Hunter Biden actually is, as she revealed that Hunter Biden blew $122,000 in two months and cut his child support payments from $17,000 for his three daughters down to a mere $1,700 per month. But now federal prosecutors have revealed how true his ex-wife's statements are. Hunter Biden blew through $4.9 million in four years, including $638,000 to various women and $188,000 on adult entertainment. Now, that's not a crime, but certainly makes you a loser to not support your kids while you blow that kind of cash on adult entertainment. But here is the crime, or the alleged crime. Special counsel David Weiss is investigating Biden and has now filed a nine-charge indictment in Los Angeles, accusing Hunter of dodging more than $1 million in taxes while living an extravagant life between 2016 and 2019. Biden, 53, has been charged with three felonies and six misdemeanors for failing to file taxes and pay them in 2016, 17, 18, and 19. He faces 17 years if convicted on all counts. We will have details as to how successful these tax crime prosecutions are coming up at the bottom of the hour at 6.30. So who got the short end of the stick and the raw deal over these years? Was it Hunter Biden's kids? Was it his ex-wife? Was it Uncle Sam? They didn't get their cut, right? No, Hunter Biden is the victim here. That's right. Both Democrats and Hunter Biden himself have already pivoted to the victim card. Here is delusional Democrat Dan Goldman from New York on with Jake Tapper on CNN this weekend talking about how Republicans are to blame for this. Listen and watch. The only reason I think Hunter Biden was prosecuted and charged with these crimes, which almost are never charged uh, for the gun charge and would be settled civilly for the tax charges, is because of Chairman Comer and House Republicans undue and improper interference in an ongoing criminal investigation. But that's the least of concerns about what he said. Uh, Chairman Comer may be a great farmer, Jake, but he has no idea what he's talking about with criminal law. I was a federal prosecutor for 10 years, 
There is nothing remotely close to a FARA violation or to money laundering. I don't think he knows what they are and certainly doesn't understand what would be required by that. I would argue the only reason Hunter Biden isn't sitting in a prison cell today is because his pops is the president. But what do I know? And what does the binder have to say about the latest charges against the president's son? Listen to this nothing burger from Corrine Jean-Pierre. I have two questions on the Hunter Biden case. Any reaction to the um, to what we saw last night, new charges, and then I have a follow-up. Sure. Look, um, I mean, the president has said this before, and he will continue to say, which is that he loves his son and supports him as he continues to rebuild his life. I'm going to be really careful and not comment on this and refer you to Department of Justice or my colleagues at the White House Council, but that's what I'm going to, I'm not going to go beyond tell, telling you all what the president has said over and over again. He's proud of his son and he is. How can you say you're not going to go beyond X, Y, and Z when you never get into X, Y, and Z? That gaggle aboard Air Force One. The binder is full of blank pages. We know that. But would Joe pardon Hunter if he is actually convicted? Listen to more of KJP. Only because you said it before, I just want to re-up in, in light of these new uh, charges. Um, you said before that the president would not pardon his son. Is that still the case? Nothing has changed. That is still the case. So who really is to blame for all of this? It's Hunter Biden, right? He's a man of personal responsibility and accountability, right? He's rehabbed his life. He's gotten things in order. He's sober, right? Well, here is Hunter Biden on the Moby podcast, placing the blame on, you guessed it, the Russians. Which, by the way, this whole idea that this this may not, in every aspect, be a Russian disinformation campaign, but it has literally every earmark <laughs> of what the Russians did. Yeah. There's, um, what's it called? It's called uh, eliminationist rhetoric. Eliminationist rhetoric was something that the Nazis came up with as a as a tool to to undermine uh, their political rivals. And then Putin has fine-tuned it. And what Putin did when he was coming to power in the early 2000s was there were still some real significant voices of some and some with real money and intellectual public standing inside of Russia or living as expatriates that were speaking out against Putin. So what did he do? He didn't argue with them on the merits. He didn't argue with them about economic policy and democracy and the freedom to vote because he knew he'd lose that argument. So what did he do? He labeled them pedophiles. He planted child pornography on their laptops and their computers. And so maybe only 10% of the people then in the public would believe this. But then when he would turn around after he got 10, 15, 20% of the people believe in the worst thing you can possibly think about a human being. Then when he turns around and said, and also he's a money launderer and he is against the Russian people. It's a lot easier for them to believe that. Funny that Hunter Biden's talking about money laundering. Really? We're going there? Elimination rhetoric? Putin? Eliminating your political rival? Sounds like something your daddy's DOJ has been trying to do for over a year to Donald Trump. And what about all of that information that you've seen on social media being shared about Hunter Biden? All of the facts coming out about Hunter Biden and his criminal enterprise and doing all the legwork for his father. Well, we should blame Elon Musk for all of that, right? 
Like, what? Seriously, Nick? Yeah. Well, let's actually listen to Hunter Biden pass the blame to the owner of Twitter slash X. Listen to this. And then you have the people that are the most culpable of all. You have the people that literally just love to feed it because they think that it is some kind of a game. (laughs) They think that it is some... Like, the one thing about Elon Musk that I'm certain of is there's another very damaged human being. Yes. And he is... I say that he is the dumbest smart person I think that the world has ever known. (laughs) To be fair, there are a lot of dumb, smart people. No, I know, but he now represents I would say Rupert Murdoch is out there. But you know what? It's like Elon Musk doesn't care about the damn First Amendment. He doesn't care about anybody but himself. And so all of this idea that he's a champion for the First Amendment and blah, 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 blah. Elon Musk doesn't care about democracy. Elon Musk doesn't care about our freedom to vote. He doesn't care about that. Is there any time that you ever saw anything from him that has any rational defense of democracy, of what we've created here as Americans, as his adopted country? So Elon Musk lost $22 billion purchasing Twitter, but he does not care about free speech. Okay. So if you're keeping track of Hunter Biden here and the blame game as he plays out the victim card, it's the Republicans' fault. It's the Russians' fault, and it's Elon Musk's fault. And he also calls Elon Musk the dumbest smart guy he knows. I would argue Hunter Biden, who has a law degree, would be the dumbest smart person I know, excluding the Ivy League presidents at Penn and Harvard. This clown literally documented all of his crimes on the laptop from hell. That says you're not the brightest guy on the planet. But yet here we are yet again, watching a Democrat deny, deflect, and have the nerve to claim that they are the victim. And the mainstream media will continue to bury this story or hardly cover it. But if this was one of Donald Trump's kids, it would be wall-to-wall coverage, and they would already probably be in prison by now. POTUS privilege? It's real. We've just shown you. And that's The Big Take. The Big Take on Kale & Company. All right, Big Take this morning. If you want to jump in with your thoughts and reaction, you can certainly do so. 855-839-1210 is the phone number. On social media, at 1210WPHT, or you can get us on YouTube. Just go to YouTube.com slash at 1210WPHT. Hit the like and subscribe buttons and be a part of the Kale & Company comment community today. We'll come back, get some thoughts on that. Also, some of the stats, how likely it is that Hunter Biden will go to jail. And then we have the fallout from the University of Penn. One down, two to go, says Elise Stefanik. That story on the way as we continue live here on this Monday morning on Kale and Company, but let me tell you about my friends at Wawa because you're just about 14 days away from Christmas and they've got two great ways to help you shop over the next two weeks efficiently for this holiday season. First up is shopping from home or maybe the office, just don't tell your boss. It's cold out, so when you want to give the gift of Wawa, a digital gift card is always the easy way to go. And you can pick one of their festive card designs at Wawa.com, enter your card amount, and write a message. You can choose to have your Wawa gift card show up in their inbox instantly or schedule it to arrive at just the right moment. You can buy a digital gift card today and give the gift of Wawa to somebody you love. But if you want to get out and about, once this bad weather clears out, you can head to your local Wawa location and grab a gift card right at the counter. It's perfect for the great Wawa fan in your life and for fans of other brands like Amazon or Roblox. Grab one for your boss or your favorite aunt or uncle and make anybody's season bright in one Wawa run. Happy holidays from Wawa, your one-stop gift card shop. It's Kale & Company On Demand. 
from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the free Odyssey app. Happy Monday to each and every one of you as we continue here on Kale and Company. Nick, Dawn, and Greg. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Get us on the free Odyssey app and watch us live on YouTube. Hopefully you had a great weekend. My guess is your weekend was better than Liz McGill's, Claudine Gay's, and even Hunter Biden's. We'll get to the pen fallout here in just about two minutes. But just to put a bow on some of the Hunter Biden stuff, and then also, uh, Dawn, if you wanted to weigh in on anything with Hunter and his lavish lifestyle. So we're all wondering if this guy's ever actually going to serve any prison time. And we think just because he's Hunter Biden and he's Joe's son that he will not get prison time. And Gun to my head, if I had to place a wager, I also don't think that he is going to ever serve a day behind bars. But I saw this from MarketWatch.com, and this headline reads, Tax case raises pressure on Hunter Biden with jail time a real possibility. They go on to say, Hunter Biden's get-out-of-jail-free card may have just expired. The tax charges brought late Thursday against the president's son significantly up the ante in the years-long investigation into his finances, and they pose a very real possibility that he may end up serving prison time. According to data from the IRS, nearly 90% of all tax cases that they refer to the Department of Justice for a prosecution end up with either a conviction or a guilty plea. So that's when the IRS comes after you and they ship you off to the DOJ. Nine out of ten times, you are either either found guilty or you cop a plea. And around two-thirds of the time, 66% of those cases result in prison time with the average sentence of being 14 months. We know he faces a maximum of 17 years if convicted on all charges, uh, according to federal prosecutors. I still doubt that he will serve a day in jail. But usually when the IRS comes after the average, everyday, common person that does not pay their taxes, they've got you dead to rights, and you're going to be serving a little bit of time in the joint. Uh, Not sure if Hunter Biden would qualify as the uh, everyday American, because not all of us are spending $872,000 on prostitutes, cocaine, expensive, lavish lifestyle items, and oh, by the way, a beautiful set of teeth. He dropped $69,000. On some new chompers. That's a good life if you can get it. Some of us have real bad dental insurance. You know what I mean? Uh, So that's the latest on Hunter Biden. And then he also says that Republicans are mother bleepers and they're trying to kill me. That was in also the uh, podcast, the Moby Pod. Can't say that I've ever listened to the Moby Pod until this past weekend. Uh, But that's Hunter Biden uh, once again playing the victim card. But we do have a victim at the expense of Elise Stefanik, and that is a self-inflicted wound from former Penn president Liz McGill. This was a story that we talked about a lot over the last couple of days uh, on the show last week, and we finally got some closure, at least on the Penn campus, as Liz McGill resigned on Saturday as president of the University of Pennsylvania amid scathing criticism over her performance at a House hearing earlier last week. Uh, she went on to say the following in a statement, quote, It has been my privilege to serve as president of this remarkable institution. It has been an honor to work with our faculty, students, staff, alumni, and community members to advance Penn's vital missions, said McGill in a statement. Now, she will remain a tenured faculty member at Penn Carey Law, 
And also, the Penn Board of Trustees, Scott Bach, announced his resignation on Saturday evening. Uh, In a statement obtained by ABC, Bach said, quote, Today, following the resignation of the University of Pennsylvania's president and related Board of Trustee meetings, I also submitted my resignation as chair of the university's Board of Trustees, effective immediately. Bach said that he had been asked to remain in his role to help with the presidential transition, but believed, quote, now was the right time to part. He called McGill, quote, a very good person and talented leader and, quote, not the slightest bit anti-Semitic. So you got one down. You still have Harvard and MIT to go. And if you were seeing over the weekend, the smart folks up at Harvard have also rented out, I guess, some sort of like box truck. And uh, they are now driving around throughout that campus area with a box truck that reads Claudine Gay, the best friend Hamas has ever had. Much this, like this we is had glorious. Here. Yes. I want all these people toasted. Get Claudine Gay out. Get the MIT nut job. Get them out. Get all these left-wing smart people. And, you know, MIT is famous for uh, the movie 21, where all the smart kids go to the casino to count cards and steal money from the casino and blackjack. It's amazing. They can, they can always keep uh, count of the, uh, the deck at MIT when there's a, a seven-card shoe at a local casino. Yet they haven't been able to figure out that being pro-Gaza and pro-Hamas means you're pro-terrorist and pro-genocide. I'm hoping Claudine Gay's days are numbered. Maybe this week she's the next one to go, but we'll see. Yeah, these three, these three women, university professors, I think are the tip of the iceberg. But I think also, and coming up at 1030, I'll talk to our friend Meg Brock from Bucks County, local mom who really has been put through the ringer, if you will, just for asking questions. But it goes much deeper than this. When you start looking at all of the, the money, for example, that these universities, they fund different DEI programs in our area. So those programs continue here and it's CHOP, it's, um, it's local hospitals, it's local schools. They subscribe to this. There's money exchanged. And so I, th- I think the tentacles of this whole thing go much deeper. And so I think these fall guys or fall gals in this situation and then they think, Oh, good. We're done with it. Mm-hmm. We're just going to stop the scrutiny. No, I think it's just begun. I, I'm glad you bring up money because I, I, this is just my opinion. I do not believe Penn makes a change if it wasn't for the fact that they were going to be losing out on donors that donate hundreds of millions of dollars. Where I mean, yes, there are people that donate a million dollars. There's people that donate a hundred thousand or ten thousand dollars. But money, when when all of a sudden your bottom line and your pocketbook is affected, that's when change occurs. Yes, it was nice to see those trucks driving around Penn. Yes, it's nice when they got people got on Twitter and tweeted their displeasure. But I think ultimately it's the it's the oh wow. So our 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 financial wells going to dry up. We have to act because we can't have our millionaire and billionaire alums that donate a substantial amount of money on a yearly or semi-yearly basis. We can't have afford to afford those people go away. Right. Like we, we've seen this in every walk of life. Right. All of a sudden there's advertiser boycotts and then changes are made mm-hmm. because people don't like when their when their checkbook gets a little bit light. Yeah. So I, I think that's the biggest cause for for change here. And I don't think people were going to stop until McGill was basically on the chopping block, so to speak, yeah. because people wanted her out. And apparently 
She comes out in a statement. Excuse me, it was Bach that said in a statement. He described McGill's comments as a very unfortunate misstep. She he she he says that she was quote worn down by months of relentless external attacks. Okay, once again, I'm the victim. The attacks they're never ending. I'm mentally sapped. Please, she was not herself last Tuesday," said Bach. Overprepared and overlawyered, given the hostile forum and high stakes, she provided a legalistic answer to a moral question, and that was wrong. Didn't we just talk about this last wow. week? About how we said, "Dude, she's giving you a prepared statement from attorneys when she would not answer Stefanik." Uh, who asked her and I think gay a total of 17 times. This is where you have to be like, you know what? Thanks for the lawyer stuff. You either need to memorize it. You either need to paraphrase what the lawyer said, or you need to rip that up because the lawyers in, in many facets here probably cost McGill the job because the answer didn't resonate with what people were looking for. So, so true. I mean, what? lawyer, go ahead. I think we're missing a lot here. I What's think that? that it is a I think that it's it's great that conservative media and New York Post and everybody is spiking the football and say one down, two more to go. Okay. It is a uh this is a bigger problem that is not going to be solved by firing or uh, Liz McGill resigning or the Harvard president resigning or whoever else resigning. This is a this is a rot that is happening in college campuses and around the country and good around point. the world right now. I'm looking at an Economist um, um, article right now that was done for Americans ages between uh, between the ages of 18 and 29. One out of five young Americans believe the Holocaust was a myth. I saw that. One out of five think that that whole thing was a, was a ruse. So here's the so yes we can sit here and we can uh you know congratulate ourselves that uh we put enough pressure that these people are resigning but we're not getting to the root of the problem here and and I I don't know how you get to that root but it needs to be it needs to happen um it needs to be addressed yeah. and I saw Shapiro was in North Philly uh, at a uh, at a um, anti-semitism rally um, I think that this is this is something that needs to be. Uh, this needs to happen from both sides. Both yep. the left and the right need to come together on this and and really get to the bottom of because I I fear for yeah. what's coming down. Oh, you make a line. great point. They, I you know not to oversell it, but there needs to be this generational mental and or ideological cleanse of you know it's so odd we keep getting told that gen z and gen alpha and even the younger millennials they're the generations that are, are gonna fix america and you know eradicate all forms of hate yet it's so odd that they're the ones that are always talking about inclusivity and diversity and equity Yet throughout this whole thing, now two months and four days in, they've been anything but inclusive and preaching equity to a group of people that, you know, you would like to think if you are of the uh, Jewish faith, Jewish race, religion, whatever you want to call it, if you are Jewish, you would like to think that those days of 
Nazi Germany and Hitler and the Holocaust, you know, 75, 80 years later, that that stuff is behind you. You're now more accepted. And what have we learned in eight and a half weeks? The, the level of hatred, it's as bad as it was 70 years ago. It, it was just like hidden away in a closet, so to speak, for the masses to see. I'm, sure, hate, there, I'm I, sure there are plenty of Jewish people that were like, I've been experiencing this the last 30 years, but now it's under the microscope. I hate to say it, but uh, social media and the internet TikTok. has made it has made it worse. And this is also a problem, guys, when you don't trust anything. You don't trust facts anymore. Right. So what happens when you don't trust facts anymore or trust things that, well, did it really happen this way or was it a false flag? You get crap like this. Yep. That's what happens when you don't trust facts anymore. And Matt, well, well, and also they don't teach. Do they teach this anymore no, in the schools? No, a couple. Um, it's part of the reason when I said this is the tip of the iceberg, when I said that earlier, in part, this is what I'm talking about. But number one, TikTok. Remember, Phil Omquist found that graphic that talked about TikTok users and how the anti-Semitism, the anti-Semitism. Yeah. But when you think about, I have to get. I have a friend who years ago she had gone on campuses, including UPenn, and asked simple questions about the Holocaust. If you went to like Catholic schools, because all the nuns teach Holocaust. Mm-hmm. If if you were educated, for example, in Jersey public schools. Or, you know, it depends on the state. So Holocaust education here in Pennsylvania is relatively a new thing. And across the nation, who was the president who held that huge news conference, wasn't covered live except maybe one? It was Trump. Trump actually signed into law that bipartisan let said, we need this. Mm-hmm. We need this kind of education and we need it in our curriculum. But we did not have it in Pennsylvania until Fairly recently, I'll yeah. say within the past five to ten years. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I, I don't recall having anything specific. No, now, we, we we certainly, I think we covered it in history class, you know, when we were discussing World War II and things like that. But there was never a dedicated class or even a week's worth of educating yourself on it. It was kind of just in passing. Hey, read chapter seven tonight. And over those 28 pages, there might've been a paragraph and a half on, you know, what Hitler did, gas chamber, things like that. But other than that, concentration camps, there was never this like level of educating yourself on it. And I don't want to boil it down to something as simple as, well, let's stop teaching pronouns and teach the Holocaust. It's not that simple, but, like the things that we are focusing in on today pales in comparison to the stuff that should be taught even at an entry level. I'm not saying our kids in 10th grade need to be scholars on Nazi Germany, but you need to understand the basic premise of what 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 one evil man was trying to accomplish. Yeah, and that's the whole point, right? That we're supposed to know world history, American history, because the idea is if we really are well-educated and we know the history, the concept is that it won't repeat itself. So part of the problem is these students, and, and to your point about it, they learn more about in American history who was really in the LGBTQ plus community. I mean, that's really a focus that happens in our schools but up in Pennsylvania in particular, in half the country, mm-hmm. they didn't have, and you're lucky you went to World War II. Most of them stopped at World War I, didn't even study World War II. And that's true. It, this stuff isn't happening in schools. I hate to say it. Like, uh, well, they're I not, think it's, schools but, are Greg, rots you, too, but, but Greg, it's if not you happening were educated, in schools. If you knew, like my kids, if you had history, 
since you were a little kid and you had a lot of history and you knew it, then you have a baseline so that when you get the scholarship or whatever you want to call it, the financial aid, to go to an Ivy League school and they start saying this crud, you know it's wrong. But if you've if you've never if you never learned the history, how do you know what's right or wrong? Yeah, because you can go on TikTok and Twitter and everything like that and find uh, uh, quote unquote real videos of people who who uh, who have proof that the Holocaust never happened. And what happened? Now now we have now we have a guy back on Twitter who said that Sandy Hook was a false flag. Oh, wow. So so here we go again with with all of these things of questioning facts. That's what happens. The one in five Americans think the Holocaust was a myth. That's what. happens. That's, with this sta- that, that's staggering. Twenty percent think it's fake. I mean, <laughs> yeah. okay. Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten. If you would like to jump in on the conversation, coming up next, we'll put a bow on the six o'clock hour. Yeah, there's going to be a couple of debates coming up on January tenth and the twenty first on CNN and ABC. But the RNC will not be acknowledging said debates. Who does that actually favor? The details next on Kale and Company on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Thank you so much for 99.9% of you as we're almost full to go next spring. Conservative tours to see together the wonderful sights in southern Italy. I'm told there are only two spots left. We're talking about the Abbey of Monte Cassino, Pompeii. Enough time to see the great sights in Rome as well. All while enjoying a gastronomical event for 12 incredible days of touring this is the amalfi coast the isle of capri some of the most beautiful places in the world we'll see it all positano sorrento isle of capri oil of uh, the olive oil production i can't wait to see to visit a mozzarella farm and the wineries the tasting sessions the group dining events they're known for are legendary iconic just ask my friends dom and Roger giordano 5267 yeah, 5267 includes nonstop airfare. Okay, so it's conservativetours.com. If you go to the site, you'll see the toll-free number there too, 888-733-9494. And if you need to talk to Ken Chase, ask a couple of questions. The number is right there for you, conservativetours.com. Thank you to the, the majority of you who filled this up so quickly. I can't wait to go see Southern Italy together Authentically Italian, conservativetours.com. This is the Kale and Company Podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and on the free Odyssey app. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Get us on the free Odyssey app. Watch us live on YouTube. Loaded edition of What's on the Cut Sheet. That's coming up in less than an hour. 7.45 this morning. Also, some historic firsts in the world of polling. From the Wall Street Journal. We'll get to that coming up in just a few minutes after we get to Dawn's news in our number two. Uh, but I thought this was a very interesting story. Uh, news coming out this weekend, and I've got it from Politico, uh, but it was everywhere. Uh, as the RNC has officially decided to bow out of hosting primary debates. Very interesting, because before the weekend came, we told you that there was two more debates coming up. On January 10th and January 21st, as you get ready for the Iowa caucus and CNN and ABC were planning to host those debates. I think CNN was going to have the Iowa debate and ABC was going to be the broadcast home for the debate in New Hampshire. Well, now the RNC says that's it. We're calling it a day. 
The organization steps aside as television networks plan more early state debates. Um, This is from Politico. Wednesday's RNC-sponsored debate could be the last as the organization hits pause on hosting more primary debates. The Republican National Committee is pausing its participation in 2024 GOP primary debates. The organization decided on Friday, uh, if you are unaware, the RNC, which is comprised of a 16-member internal body, has decided that this is it, and it means that any forthcoming debates that will be hosted by networks will be done so independently of the committee. And I got two big thoughts on this. Number one, um, I, I don't know if this is something that if you're one of those four left standing you're sitting around and saying, oh, boy, is it really worth continuing on here? But I would say this if you're DeSantis, who is second in most of the polls, or at least tied, he's had a really good stretch of debating against Gavin Newsom. Then he does really good, I thought, coming off of that fourth primary debate, starting to build a little bit of momentum. And maybe it's not showing and it's not reflective in the polls, and that's fine. But he's probably got to be sitting back saying, boy, this really takes a little starch out of my shorts. But I would say the biggest takeaway is probably this is a huge win for Donald Trump, who hasn't attended any of the four debates. And I don't know if this is the RNC's passive-aggressive way of saying it's time to wrap all of this up and everybody should rally behind Donald Trump and throw their support into the Trump camp. But that was the initial feeling I had this past weekend when this story came out. And if you're Trump, who has done a great job of, A, not participating in debates because he's polling off the charts, and B, trying to do some sort of counter-debate programming most of the time, he's usually either in the area of a debate or he's rallying elsewhere or he decides to do a broadcast with Tucker Carlson. To me, I think this is the writing on the wall. Where, look, Vivek, Chris Christie, it's time to close up shop. It's basically DeSantis and Nikki Haley. And we'll get to Nikki's massive lead in a Wall Street Journal poll over Joe Biden coming up in hour number two. But is this, is this, is the takeaway here that the RNC is saying without saying that this is Trump's party and it's time to shut it down? That's the feeling I got. Yeah, it's like they're, uh, they're taking their ball and they're going home. They're, I mean, they're, they're basically saying, yeah, you can go ahead, CNN and ABC, and you can host these made-for-television events that seemingly each and every time they do, the ratings dwindle further and further down, but we will not acknowledge any of these debates. But i got to imagine all four of the participants that at least would qualify, assuming guys like Christie and Vivek make that threshold of at least 10% with, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, three reputable polls, they're probably sitting back like, the hell am I going to be doing here? And my, 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 basically, my own party is not acknowledging my right to debate. They're basically waving the flag in favor of Donald Trump. So figured we'd pass that along. I mean, there were, I mean, Trump and others had made all those complaints. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, I, I think they. It's, I think this is the RNC acknowledging him, which is fascinating because I don't know that Ronald McDaniel is necessarily the biggest fan of Donald Trump. But here they are as a committee saying, and I know it's more than her. It's a sixteen group. It's a sixteen person group. But they're like, no, this is this thing's over. So, you know, that's kind of where we're at with that story. Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten. The phone number. Uh, let me wrap up the hour. Um, 
do we have time to take this call? Sure. Because I think this is uh, my buddy Rich from Harleysville. Rich, you're on Talk Radio 1210. Rich, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Nick. How are you? Rich, how are you? Good. Hey, I was uh, going to make a comment about your Holocaust uh, little segment there. Yep. Uh, as you as you might remember, I do a lot of work with the World War II veterans. Yep. And I have a personal friend. He's 102 years old. I spoke with him yesterday. D-Day plus 10. Uh, he was in the medical corps, and he treated the prisoners at Buchenwald concentration camp for two weeks. Yep. And he never talked about the war to about 12 years ago, and he got infuriated because people would deny the Holocaust even existed. So he's made it his mission to go around to different high schools and colleges and give an eyewitness account and talk about the Holocaust. Yeah. No, and it's necessary. I mean, we gave, I'm I'm assuming you heard the stat we gave about 20 minutes ago, Rich, 20% of young Americans today think that this thing was a total ruse. Try telling that to a 102-year-old man who hasn't spoken much about it, like you said, who now at this point in his life feels the need to, to, to inform these uneducated kids. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things uh, that always sticks with me, and I, I will see this gentleman, Tim, this uh uh, Friday at uh, the Millville Army Airfield's uh, Christmas party. I spoke with him yesterday, called me for 45 minutes. And in his talks, he has this one line. He says, uh, uh, my eyesight is in 2020 today, but it sure as heck was in 1945. Yep. And he goes, I know what I saw. Yep. Rich, thank you so much for the perspective. Hope you're well. Yes, and uh, Nick, if you have a chance, let's get together uh, for breakfast again at that place that you like. Yes, yes, and bring and bring the ninety-nine-year-old veteran that broke my hand with a handshake. <laughs> I'm just Absolutely. about just about I'm just about recovered from that. Aww. And Nick, the other thing I wanted to mention last week when you were talking, I tried to get through. You said you know people like over ninety or so about driving. Tim still drives at 102, works part-time four days a week, and as sharp as a tank. And he probably has a sports car or some flashy vehicle, right? Uh, actually, he has a, uh, a Lincoln SUV. Yeah, boy. Wow. All right, there you go. <laughs> He's driving nice. Rich, thank you for the call, and we will definitely get together again. Yeah, that's that's Rich from back in May when we went and yeah. met that veteran for breakfast. Yep. That was so wonderful. Strongest handshake I've ever felt. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so try telling this guy that... Uh, the Holocaust was a ruse. These punks. 855-839-1210. Hour 2 is on the way. Don will have some news to kick off the hour. And then Donald Trump and Nikki Haley crushing it. We'll give you the historic first details as we continue. Start your day with Kale and Company. Weekday mornings 6 till 10 on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and the free Odyssey app.